I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, my fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets, Season 2, Episode 11. I hope I got that number right because I'm not 100% sure, but we're just going to roll with it. I have an amazing guest for you today, but first I wanted to just remind you all of something that is very easy to forget, and that is what you see on Instagram is not real. Let me repeat that for you. What you see on Instagram is not real. I'm not even talking about all the adjustments that people make under our nose via Facetune and different filters, but there is so much you can do to manipulate the way a photo looks with posing, with strategic placement of clothing. I mean, even putting your hand on your hip or a certain positioning of your joints can alter the way your body looks in a photo. So when you see a really great photo on Instagram, just give it a like and move on with your life. Don't go throughout your day thinking, oh, that picture was so flawless. I can never look like that in real life because most likely they can't either. Instagram is kind of a snapshot of us at our best selves. It's not even that you're seeing us at our best selves, but you are seeing an edited version of ourselves. And sometimes I look at people's Instagrams who I know in real life, and I really might like that person in real life, but I'll see their Instagram and think, eek, do they know they're coming off like that on Instagram? It's not real, and you can't really judge too much what a person's really like based on their Instagram. So now that I've put that out there, I think a really great case study of how Instagram is not at all what meets the eye is The Circle on Netflix. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's basically an experiment in social media. And everybody on the show gets to have a different persona on social media that could be their own or it could be a complete catfish. My guest today was on the show, The Circle, and she represented herself in this little experiment using a catfish a photo of a slimmer woman who she actually knew in real life, which is very funny, instead of her own image. And we talk about the reason why she chose to do that and what it means on a macro level for plus size women on social media and the way that social media censors plus size women. We talk so much about that And we also talk about this current trend of people trying to appear more real on Instagram by showing their body posed and unposed so people can see the difference. We talk about whether that is actually valuable for the body positive movement or if it also has its drawbacks, which we both have conflicting opinions on. I personally think If you want to talk about your body struggle on Instagram, go right ahead. I think that can be an empowering thing and it can also humanize you to people who follow you and maybe they'll see something in that that 
they also see in themselves. And I think that's one great thing about social media is it brings people together and creates communities and shows people that their experience is not so unique to them. Uh, And there are other people who go through the same thing. So I think that's fantastic. But showing pictures, you know, bloated and not bloated, posed and unposed, bent over slash standing up. We talk about why this is not really helpful to the body positive movement because these are typically women who are not plus size and therefore the body positive movement isn't specifically meant for them. And that doesn't mean that you can't share your body struggle on Instagram. I know that I have shared it on my Instagram. You can go to my Instagram and and read it. It was actually a very vulnerable thing for me to do, even though I talk so much about body image on here. Still, writing my history with an eating disorder on an Instagram post was very scary to me because my family follows me on there. People I've known for years and years follow me on there. It's not only people who listen to the podcast or people who know me as an entertainer. So that felt very personal to me and it turned out being a great thing. I got so much love and support in return and I understand why those types of posts are valuable. But I also understand that even though I am an ally to the body positive movement, I am not truly a part of it because I am a straight size woman and I don't face the same discrimination and roadblocks to success that people in larger bodies experience. And as long as you have that awareness and you don't try to be a part of something that is not meant for you and you're not doing anything that's drawing too much attention to yourself, having a struggle that is comparable to plus size women, as long as none of that is happening, I say post what you want on Instagram. Lord knows it's a great way to feel better about yourself, if only for an instant. And with that being said... I am so excited to introduce my guest for today, Sean Taylor. Tempo has reached critical level. Tempo has reached critical level. Okay, guys, my guest today, I'm so psyched to have her on from The Circle on Netflix, which was everybody's quarantine guilty pleasure, that and Tiger King, those were the two. So until I get the Tiger King, this is like the most exciting guest I've had on the podcast so far. Sean Taylor, welcome to the show. Hey, wow, being compared to Tiger King off the bat, I feel You've like made pretty it. high bar, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny, My I host another podcast and my co-host hates the Tiger King, but like, hates with a passion and like thinks that the documentary was terrible because of Mm. the way they treat the animals and how like inhumane the whole thing is and that dampened Tiger King a little bit for me because I was like I just want to you know make fun of these people but she was like no this is this is actual animal abuse so that (laughs) I haven't said a word about Tiger King since then, I think, but yeah, well, there's no animal abuse on the circle. So I'm just human abuse. Yeah, (laughs) just human abuse. Well, it's funny. um, I just rewatched a little bit of it because when I watched the circle, when it originally came out, Mm -hmm. I did not remember you being on the show. Uh, (laughs) And And it turns out I hadn't watched far enough. You came in in the middle of the season and 
you are my favorite character on that show. You no the, way. Yeah, your personality comes off so amazing on the show. It's just like you're one of the most dynamic people to watch on screen I think of anybody oh my gosh that's, that's just so like, nice of you to say I literally watching the show I was such like a scared little baby deer like in the process of it I feel like I um am a lot more like uh sarcastic I'm a lot more opinionated IRL but also mm -hmm. I think like I I think I was given a very sympathetic edit you know <laughs> it, yes you were and we'll get into that but sure who <laughs> haven't watched the circle don't know what it is it, basically it's a reality show that netflix created and all the contestants live in the same apartment complex but they can't see each other they can only connect with each other via social media via like this fake social media platform that they've created so it's very interesting to see how some people will represent themselves as themselves and you know all the complicated stuff that comes with that like because we all represent ourselves as ourselves on social media but it's the what people choose to put out and how people choose to portray themselves i've always found that to be really fascinating about social media but then on top of that a lot of people or a handful of people will catfish because you know for various reasons but in your intro you said you chose to use a catfish because of the way that fat people are perceived on social media and there's limited opportunity right so you used the photos of a actual friend of yours mm -hmm. I yep. wanted to ask about the friend. Like, did you ask the <laughs> friend's permission? Was she like, yeah, girl, I look hot. Like put my picture out there. Like, what was the conversation? Okay, it's so funny because, so Colleen was a childhood friend of mine. Before the circle, I probably hadn't talked to her for, I don't know, maybe like 10 years. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Someone I hadn't, I've never auditioned for a reality show before. It was very serendipitous. Someone found me online and DM'd me and was like, you should, you know, go for this. And, um, you know, like as things got kind of like farther down the like casting route, um, and there's, you know, like conversations about strategy. It's like, okay, this is how I'm going to play the game. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was in some sort of like, I don't know, crazy Amanda Bynes movie where it's like, okay, and now I need to find a hot friend. <laughs> I have a bunch of like gorgeous friends, but like Colleen lives in Miami and I just like see her as someone who just kind of like just lives and thrives in like a bikini and she's so like adventurous and game and um so I like texted her and she was like what <laughs> um, and it's awesome I mean if somebody <laughs> if somebody asked me if they could use my pictures uh for this type of reality show I would be like on the one hand I would be like moi like <laughs> what? Ha, what and on the other hand I'd be like this is sick I, I can like get a piece of fame without actually having to do any work yeah <laughs> so it's a pretty sweet gig <laughs> she was she was kind of the perfect face of it though because she also looks very approachable like she has a really yeah. big smile she looks really friendly and totally and she has that like must a have picture gone of her it. in like a jeep you know like <laughs> messy bun and leggings yeah and she's just like yeah smoking hot yeah <laughs> and I'm curious I don't know how much you can share about this side of it but was it 
the type of thing where like you got to choose how you were going to represent yourself or did a producer suggest that you do a certain thing? I'm just curious about that process. There were a lot of interviews like going into it. And I think there's just like so much that goes into that process. A lot that I don't even, I'm probably not even aware of, (laughs) but ultimately like once you are in the game, it's like you, you are making your own decisions in real time. Got it. Got it. It's, I mean, it's just fascinating. I, I feel like I would be kicked off the first day. I would be blocked. <laughs> I just wouldn't know how to, I mean, I don't know how to act with anybody, but I just wouldn't know how to act. I wouldn't know when to be fake and when to be real, but I guess totally. your, your tactic was like, yes, the face is not real, but everything else was the way that you were uh, the way your personality was coming across to the other contestants and stuff like that was all genuine. Yeah. Yeah. I used my name and then, yeah, just all the details about me, like living in New York city, working in social media, loving gin and tonics. That is all. Factual. <laughs> it's a classic drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you worked in social media before. Did you also, did you work in fashion as well? Yeah. So I was, I was a social media manager at like a plus size fashion company. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm assuming you were surrounded at that time by very body positive people working in that industry. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, um, condensed version of like how we got here. I actually went to school for acting for theater and, um, thought I like, at like the end of my degree, I was like, wait a minute, I don't actually see myself doing this, especially because I spent like the last four years playing everyone's mom. So I'm like, (laughs) this isn't really all that realistic. Yeah. You're like Um, a 21 year old playing the mom. (laughs) And, um, so that's like when I really got connected to just kind of like that body positive space online. And that just kind of like lit a fire under me in a way that acting wasn't at that time. So I knew I was going to move to New York after college. And, uh, I ended up moving, just trying to get like my foot in the door anywhere to just kind of be a part of like this moment, you know, uh, I I don't know. I think sometime like around, um, when I moved up, like Ashley Graham was on some like billboard in Times Square. It was just like, I just want to be a part of this in any way. Yeah. And so I got a job initially as a stylist um, at the same company. And then I ended up becoming the social media manager there. Okay. So you had a, a like an understanding of how social media worked and you had been in the game, so to speak, for a yeah. little bit. I feel like that informed like why I wanted to play the way I did. I wanted to like bring attention to the fact that like, Hey, the internet's not nice to all people and being fat on the internet is not super fun all the time. And also just being someone who like being online constantly was my job. And so I just saw everything like, especially like, um, I don't know, working for like a company where they have like, you know, ads like sponsored posts that are like paid to go out to like huge audiences the comments were terrible like it was just always just like really nasty comments just from like you know a a girl that's a size 18 in a sundress you know and it's just like oh that side of the internet is like a big big yikes yeah and (laughs) and we're talking about I mean these are comments on a post for a plus size fashion company it's like because 
I, I've heard people make the argument, you know, like what you put out online, you've no control over what people are going to say. You need to have a thick skin, whatever. But who is writing a comment on an ad for a dress for plus size people about how fat and disgusting the model is? Like, what are you trying to achieve with that? Right. It's just clearly like, like something was was triggered in you you yes. know like this, it's just very clearly it's something about you that that's happening here because that's a it's a outsized and irrational reaction to just person in dress <laughs> yes totally yeah and um I'm sorry I lost my train of thought I have no, ADHD this happens quite, fre- quite <laughs> frequently um but I'm curious, after you got off the show, were you surprised at like the response that you got or did you receive any backlash? Like, were there any people mm. who were angry at you for using like a slimmer person as your yeah. avatar? Um, so I was, uh, I was really terrified about how I would be received, um, especially because like just plus size fashion, body positivity, that girl shit and <laughs> um, social media it was all my life, you know? So it's like my whole life. So it was, it felt very risky. It also, you know, like in my decision-making process, it felt like what could really um, start conversations just based on what I knew about how, um, how people digest like a person's full story and experience. I thought that like there would be, be a deeper understanding if I could play as someone else and then reveal myself people just um people understand a moment of transformation or a moment of like kind of like outing yourself and I I felt like that could be more powerful than like I I think there's just a there's a certain brand of like body positivity out there that's just like curvy girl you're confident all the time you know what I mean and it's yes. like that's not that's actually not my lived experience and I'm a huge reality tv fan so seeing um you know like and reality tv is not super nice to fat people either knowing the type of people that are normally cast on reality tv shows I was like you know I'm not gonna it would be completely inauthentic to say, yeah, let me bank a hundred thousand dollars on these strangers having their body politics in check. Like that's not, that's not, I don't know, really accurate. So I, I knew where my intentions were, but I knew it was all up to editing. And so I was terrified of my message getting kind of lost in the sauce and uh people hating me (laughs) and i did definitely get some negative comments especially prior like in the part of the show where i was catfishing before i revealed myself Mm -hmm. um that you know people were upset it's funny like not all of those people are fat people (laughs) which is kind of funny to me like i had this like you know like thin guy like dm me be like you are all about you're like a fraud because you were playing this like skinny bitch blah 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 and I'm like that she's my friend so like I, I don't know what you think you're doing here Mr. Feminism yeah um, <laughs> but uh it was it was rough and I mean I was so stressed to the point like I was like waking up like fist clenched like sweaty palms just like it was just very terrifying but ultimately once I 
once like my whole story was like out there, like I got just the most amazing DMs from like all over the world. Like people just like from Australia, literally being like, I totally know what you did. And I'm kind of in a similar place in my life. And like what you did just totally like changed things for me. And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, well, watching the show from an objective point of view, like even if you know, even if you don't know anything about body positivity, um, about the movement or about body positive influencers or the way that any of that works, you should know that fat people face preemptive judgment from other people on a daily basis. And it makes all the sense in the world why this show that all you, you cannot meet somebody in real life. The only thing that you have is the screen and Mm -hmm. you can pick anybody. Would you pick somebody with more opportunity or less opportunity? Like we're looking at it from an objective standpoint. I mean, I've seen photos taken down from Instagram where like, it'll be a fat body and you see the exact same photo, somebody with a thin body, not showing, you know, I'm not even talking about nudity. I'm talking about like stomach. Right. Totally. And they're taken down and we cannot act like that's not a thing. Like I don't enjoy when people say, you know, if you're about this, then you should just be proud to be who. Yes, that's true. You should be proud to be who you are, but you're trying to win money here. Like we're not going to pretend like the system's not in place. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an interesting um, aspect of the circle that who, like, I I don't know. I think sometimes the circle, like this show as a whole tries to skirt around some of the like political aspects of this where the reality is like who gets to be themselves authentically without being punished for it is inherently very political. Yes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. And I mean, and we're also using a very like liberal definition of the word authentic, because even when you are being authentic, it's still, I mean, to, to really grow, if you're trying to grow your social media, you got to be posting like four times a day and seven stories a day. And like, I am not authentically that much of a sharing person. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I love (laughs) connecting with you guys on social media, but if it were like me being my authentic self, I, I just, nobody's that open and real and, you know, everybody is trying to portray themselves a certain way. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what was your background up to that point? What, how did you grow up? What were your parents' attitude about body image? How did you feel about your body growing up? Um, super complicated growing up. Um, so I went to Catholic school, K through 12. I was always wearing like a uniform and I was always like the tallest and like the biggest girl in my grade for most of growing up. And looking back, I'm like, you were like incredibly normal. You just weren't one of like, you know, there's like the tiny gymnast kids that are like, you know, 60 pounds always, you know, like I I think I was actually quite normal just with a lot of kids that were like that. Um, but I always just felt like, um, I felt from a pretty young age that my body was wrong and then add all of the like, kind of like religious shaming on top of it, you know, of like, you know, 
your body just looks more mature. So you're always going to get in trouble for like what you're wearing or, you know, just like developing sooner than everyone else. And it's like, you can't scandalize other girls your age with this information. And was that actually something that you were told or was it just inferred? Oh no, it was definitely told like, because we didn't even have sex education, you know, from, you know, so it was like, don't, like make sure that you like no one can ever see any of like the tampons or pads that you have you know what I mean yeah Uh, yeah so it's like uh, this isn't gonna mess with me mentally (laughs) Um, I can't even imagine I can't imagine You you didn't have a sex ed class not until high school yeah not until high school yeah that is wild and then when so you did not go to a catholic high school no I did Okay, but they had but they had sex ed at least. Yeah, but I mean Catholic sex ed, so you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's like don't touch each other. Right. (laughs) It's like still hide your pads and tampons, but also try to get love Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So so wild. Did you have anybody in your um school that got pregnant? I always, I always wonder when people don't have sex ed, if that leads to more. Yes. There was someone in my grade that got pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All the teen moms, pour them out, pour one out for the teen moms. (laughs) Especially the ones in Catholic school. Yeah. That's a rough hand to be dealt. It's also funny that they were forcing you to wear, you said you had to wear like a Catholic schoolgirl type skirt. Yeah, I wore like a, you know, there was like the jumper kind of dress. And then when I was older, it was like a skirt. And it was just like my body was always changing. And I had so much stress about my body changing that like it just it's just my uniform is never going to fit the way that other people's uniforms fit. You know what I mean? Yes. And we all know that girl that, you know, even if the uniform is just like a polo shirt and khakis they like rock the uniform somehow and you're looking at them like what the fuck yeah (laughs) how do I do that do I get a butt pad like I don't (laughs) yeah totally no but uniforms are so not forgiving for most people I would say no no um yeah so that was like a whole um trauma and then uh I, I probably went uh I was probably dieting from like the age, like 10, the age 10 stands out to me. Like I got my period when I was 10 years old. I just looked like so much more adult than like all the other kids in my grade. Naturally, when you're growing, your body puts on weight. So like, you know, my body was doing the normal healthy thing, but I felt like such an like outcast because of it. So, um, you know, of course then the answer is just, a diet as a child, as a literal child. Yeah. You know? 10 years old. And, and, you know, I read a statistic recently. That's like, um, girls as young as six years old yes. are wanting to go on a diet and change their bodies. Like it's so young, but we don't even think of it as young or, and it's like ingrained in us. So, so, so early. Where yeah. did you get the idea to go on a diet? Where did you so hear about it? My my family life was always, there was a lot of like tension around bodies. So my mom was very thin and, you know, has always been really into working out probably at points excessively into working out. Mm -hmm. And 
I think like there were probably parts of my childhood that you could like categorize as like, you know, from an outsider's perspective, like what mom's doing looks like an eating disorder. Um, my dad, on the other hand, was always fat and he also like traveled a lot. So whenever he was home, um, it was always like, we're having everyone over and there's like a bunch of food and parties. And like, my dad loved to cook and I liked cooking with him. So it was like, it, there was like, a it felt like intense, uh, not that my mom was actively putting it on me, but I was always learning from my parents about yes. what they were doing. Like, I remember distinctly my, and my dad was always kind of trying to lose weight. Like, um, Adkins was a big part of, uh, my childhood. I remember like I was probably around 10 years old and we went to the beach with like a few other families and all the adults were like frying cheese and eating it and like going Mom. on runs. <laughs> and like, that was that it was just like, that's what you do, I guess. Um, so there was always just like, um, a lot of messages about what good food is a lot of like the casual like oh I didn't eat anything all day so I get to you know have fun now like just a lot of moralizing mm-hmm. food um and so then by I think it was junior high I was going to Weight Watchers um Damn. which is crazy and also like I just look back and it's just like I was fine do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't need to be doing that. I've had but that it's... experience too. And a lot of people that I've talked to on this show have had the same experience, which yeah. can can only mean to me that a lot of it has to do with the way that we're being raised, like the yes. diet culture mentality that's being passed down. I don't think people are always aware of it. I definitely think, you know, my parents were not aware of it, mm-hmm. but I was, uh, classified as overweight when I was a child. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even if somebody made a comment on the side, you know, should she have another, another slice of pizza? Should she, you know, I would internalize that. And I think you think that the kids aren't listening, but they're so tuned in. They pick up on everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, it's so funny. It's like, I, I, so my, uh, boyfriend has like a niece and I think she's maybe like eight or something like that. And I look at her and I'm like, you are a kid, you're a literal child, you know? And it's so strange. I can't imagine looking at a kid that age and be like, you got to start worrying about your body. I like know. crazy. But then also like the, there were a lot of adults involved in what was going on. Like, um, uh, I'm like, I don't know. I have this like one memory of my mom telling me that like some, one of my peers mom saw her in a grocery store and just said something about like how good I was looking because I was, you know, like losing weight at Weight Watchers and you know, like that just really gets wedged in your brain. Um, and that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. I, I had moments like that too, where my mom would say like, Oh, your aunt said that you looked good in your bathing suit. And I'd be like, why are you guys talking about my body? Like, but also, why are they? Like, I think I actually probably took it as a compliment then, but like, it is so strange. Adults are talking about 
kids' bodies like that. That's really weird. It's really <laughs> fucking weird. But also so normal. But like, what are what are you doing? It's so it, strange. It just puts more pressure than is even necessary when you're a kid. Because yeah, like you said, you know, a lot of kids, they have growing bodies and they gain weight during puberty and, and whatever. And it's normal. It usually has no bearing on the way that we are as adults. Like, yeah, I, cause I, I meet people and I talk to people on the, on this show who, of, from all walks of life and very few of them have had the same body since they were a child. Very oh. few of them have not changed or fluctuated or, you know, had to go through something to get to <laughs> where they are. Um, so we shouldn't put that kind of pressure on a, on a child, just let their body sort itself out and then yeah. they can decide later. Right. But I think too, it was just so it, as a child to put that stress on a child, as you're just coming into the awareness of like, Oh, people perceive me. <laughs> and there's like a social hierarchy and where do I fall in it? And then to find out like, Oh, you're here. You know, like that's a lot of stress. But then on top of it, it's like you're a kid, like it, you just mentioned ADHD. And I'm like, I recently got diagnosed with ADHD and like looking oh, back at my toes. childhood, it was like glaring, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Um, but as a kid, to, you know, like as someone who has ADHD, homework is already stressful keeping up with homework is so stressful. And on top of a child's to-do list to say, lose 25 pounds, it's like, I'm constantly failing, failing and I'm 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a disaster. And that probably created a lot of stress also so that, stress. you know, doesn't do anything for your health. No, no. So, <laughs> I, like we're, we're really, we're, we're not going, we're not achieving what we're going for here. Basically. No. But yeah, it doesn't do any favors to your relationship to food either. Yeah, not at all. So what? where do you land with food? What do you are you an intuitive eater? Do you practice any type of, uh, you know, eating practice? So I um, so dieting for me, like it was going on through high school. Last big time I dieted was like in the middle of college. And that was probably like some of the most weight that I lost during a diet. And then it was like, then I had a huge struggle with binge eating for a while, just from the constant like cycling of restriction throughout my life. Yes. Plus just so much stress about, you know, like I'm going to be graduating school and I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. Um, so I was in therapy and I was talking to a therapist about this and that's when I, yeah, I was reading like intuitive eating and, um, did you, did you ever read that book eating in the light of the moon? Do you know that? I love one? that book. Yeah, yeah. I love that book. It's, <laughs> so, can I just side note, terrible yeah. grammar, like probably the most poorly written book. Like I, I was shocked in every single proverb, basically for the eating in the light of the moon is like, it's, um, a lot of storytelling that, yeah. that the author can, I forget her name now, but I don't she, know. she connects it with, uh, body image and the way that women with eating disorders see the world. And, and it's a lot about like using ancient proverb, proverbs and ancient stories to yes. 
demonstrate like how somebody can have a healthy relationship with their body. And it's really beautifully written, but yeah. hell of a lot of grammar <laughs> mistakes. I just like, I need to write a letter to the editor or something, but anyway, go on, go Too on. Funny. Um, so I really got into the, you know, intuitive eating moment then then what was strange during like that period of like treatment as I'm with a therapist is she recommended me to I know dietitian or nutritionist or something like that who probably did more damage than good like I was always getting weighed while I was there and it was like it was like embrace the gray you know like you know all of that intuitive eating language but like still there is definitely a right and wrong way to be doing things so it was just like really um yeah really hard so I ended up just kind of like stepping away from that entirely and I feel like I'm grateful right now. I'm just in a place where I just feel pretty neutral about my food overall. And that's pretty dope. I don't think I'm like doing anything very intentionally. There definitely have been periods since like that moment where um, it's like a pendulum, you know, where it's like sometimes like I'll have like uh, periods of time that were like more indulgent. And I feel like that pendulum's kind of swinging back where I'm like, I'm feel kind of in the middle and I feel neutral about it. And to me, the biggest thing is just feeling neutral about what I'm doing. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like as long as there's not like shame and fixation and obsession, like it's Gucci, you know, totally. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing that you've able, you've been able to get that kind of equilibrium on your own. That's really cool. I, I always say, you know, the problem people turn into in intuitive eating into a diet and that it sounds like that's what that dietitian was doing. And I think that's doing such a disservice to what the whole point behind it is, which is like, you know, you're supposed to feel neutral about food and you're not supposed to have rules or feel like you're doing it wrong. Like I have people DM me sometimes and saying, and say, you know, I feel like I binged last night, but also I wanted that food. So am I doing it wrong? And I'm always like, girl, you're thinking too much. Like yeah. they, we, we need to take the thought out of this, but I do see people, um, especially on Instagram, like Fitspo, mm. Fitspo people and whatever they'll call themselves intuitive eaters, but it's like, what they're really on is, uh, the, like the hunger fullness diet, which is like, if I'm not starving, then I'm not eating. And if I'm even a little full, then it's time to stop. And I have no excuses. Like they completely twist it into something that it's not. It's really messed up. And it's like, I think it's been a while since I really kind of like dove into like intuitive eating. I know what it meant to me when I was like reading that. Uh, but it is thinking about it now it's like intuitive eating in the hands of someone who's like insanely fat phobic like actually isn't really much of anything do you know what I mean like yeah it can be whatever you want it to be and whatever you are selling at that time and yes. it's so dangerous because it's like of course um you know every every aspect of the diet industry is always, always morphing to keep up with, with culture and what's like politically correct. And, um, and what's trendy, what's trendy too. So like intuitive eating's having a moment. So now obviously people are going to jump on board and be like, 
yeah, be an intuitive eater, but never eat bread. <laughs> Intuitively never eat bread or past 8 a.m., but intuitively. Exactly. Yeah. Did you see um, that freaking Gwyneth Paltrow thing? No. Oh my God. Well, girl, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, the, it's exactly this. Gwyneth Paltrow, during National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, and need is kind of problematic. So that's like a whole other thing. But National yeah. Eating Disorder Awareness Week, Gwyneth Paltrow posts a photo with a book that's called Intuitive Fasting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, such a dumb bitch. I- <laughs> And the comments, think- everyone popped off. This guy who wrote it is like, I don't think he's even like a real doctor. Yeah, it's a hot mess. I would think that she would have learned how to behave herself on social media after she posted a picture of her and Kanye West and wrote the N-words really are in Paris. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that one, but oh my I God. You. Okay. It was, it was right after the song Paris came out. She mm-hmm. took a picture, like a, took a selfie in Paris with Kanye West and possibly Kim Kardashian too. But it was like supposed to be a funny post. And she wrote, I guess the N-words really are in Paris. Oh my God. No, you idiot. Such a fuck. She's just somebody who like clearly has lived on a different planet for so long. Planet. Like she's out to lunch And I don't know why we keep listening to her. Like, it's Mm -mm. just, that's why we need to remember that celebrities are not, they're not people that we should be looking up to. They're literally Mm -hmm. just people who have a platform. Like, we expect celebrities because they have a platform to uphold, you know, positive beliefs and want to do good. And really, they're just normal people. So- Yeah, and having a platform and having all the money in the world also doesn't make you an expert on anything, you know? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. A lot of these bitches haven't even gone to college, okay? It's like, chill out. I I was reading up on you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Not to creep you (laughs) out. But but I was reading this article and you were talking about having to come out as fat to your family. Mm -hmm. Like basically to say, you know, this is who I am and I'm not actively trying to change it. I'm not going to be dieting whatsoever. Yeah. I'm wondering how did that conversation go and who did you have it with? Was it with your parents? Yeah. So this was like right around the time that I, you know, really like noticed my uh, eating disorders for what they were, you know, like trying to work on the binging and being like, mm, I can't do the dieting anymore. It's just, it's not going to work for me. And, um, growing up in a household where it was like, everyone was always on a diet. Like that was the thing you're either like dieting or you just failed at dieting and then you're going to start dieting. And it starts on Monday. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, I was really processing a lot of that stuff in college. And then I was with my family, uh, one night we were like out to dinner and I don't even know how it came up. But there was just some subtle comment about, you know, food or bodies or whatever. And, you know, it's weird when you feel like you've gone through like a big mental, emotional journey and you haven't talked about it with your parents at all. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Um, so I I brought this up just like I, I don't even remember what I said, but just something to the effect of like, 
you know, maybe this is just, you know, who I am. Maybe all that dieting as a kid, like, wasn't that good for me. And like, you know, I, I need you to kind of get on board with that. And it did not go over super well in the moment, actually. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think like anyone who is in that position, it's like, it's a conversation that's worth having. And it's very natural that it is a scary conversation. And the reality is like the beliefs that people have, they hold them really dearly and it's not about you. And it's just going to take some time for someone to to change those beliefs because they love you. But in the moment, there likely will be some resistance. And that resistance was just like, um, I think really denial in the moment. We were out to this like Italian restaurant. I like went to the bathroom and cried. My like little sister was there too, just like blink, blink. (laughs) Oh God. Um, And my parents, you know, ended up saying at some point at the end of the dinner, you know, like we, we love you no matter what, we're not you know, going to love you any differently because of your size. Um, and oh my gosh, so it really was like, you came out to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it was just like, there was always an impression. There were always going to be like comments about dieting and what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it wasn't good for me. So I, um, to my parents' credit, especially my mom, there's been huge changes. Like my mom used to be the person who was always like, oh, I can't have the bread. Don't give us bread at the table. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just those like very casual comments that are a part of every, every kind of social interaction. And um, she's grown a lot and she's like so proud of me. And I think like it's probably changed more for her than she'll even, you know, kind of openly talk about with me. Um, so I'm very grateful, but you know, I, it's understandable that it took time, but it was, it was a hard conversation, but one that definitely needed to be had. Yeah. And that's definitely something that more people should think about doing. It's so hard to have a conversation with your parents as an adult like that, because (laughs) they see you as a toddler, like no matter what you do, they're always going to see you that way. They're, they're not going to see you as an equal. So I always say, you know, if you want to have a conversation about boundaries with someone you love, a really good way to do it is by saying, you know, this is for me. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not anything that that you did really. It's not any ill will that I think that you had towards me. I know that you were trying to do the best you can and Mm -hmm. that's what you were taught. But for me, like to have a healthy relationship and for my mental health, Mm -hmm. I need to limit that as a conversation topic. I need to like talk about something else because this is a problem that I have. I found that, you know, if somebody loves you, Mm. what are they going to say? Fuck you. Fuck you and your feelings. Yeah. Those types of conversations are kind of like the biggest life hack in the world. (laughs) Yes. Telling people what you need and where you're at and being heard for that. Like, and it's like, oh, I'm just so close to, and I just like, I value our relationship so much. So I, I would love it if you could try to accommodate me, you know? Right. Totally. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel so, 
I, there, there's so many less like triggers, so much less, you know, like little comments that will get me in my feels with my family. I also had this conversation, like similarly with friends, like kind of multiple different conversations, but you know, all of us were in a performing art school and everyone had some flavor of an eating disorder. Yeah. And, um, so it was like an ongoing conversation with friends and family kind of like in the same phase of my life. And I also, uh, you know, like met my boyfriend soon around that time. And, uh, we, we also ended up having some really open conversations about that stuff. And it's like, I feel a level of like safety and acceptance that I thought I would never feel in my relationships. I just wrote myself off for not being able to have those things. Like it was in my mind, it was always going to be like, you know, like fat is just this like thing that's like hanging over my head and like a weapon that anyone could throw at me at any moment, you know, um, and that they were thinking it and that they were just waiting to. And, uh, and it, part of it is because like casual fat phobia is just so woven into, um, so many of our conversations. It's hard to feel safe if we're not able to say like, Hey, wait a minute, what are we really saying when we say these things? And maybe like, if this doesn't make any of us feel good, we should stop saying these things. Um, so yeah, having, having conversations with people in your life about body talk that doesn't make you feel safe, chances are the person who's doing it isn't benefiting from it either, you know, and so right. it's very much worth it. Yes, totally. And how do you feel about the word fat now? Do you use the word fat to describe yourself? And yeah, you know, is it like a neutral word to you? Totally. I feel um, to me, it was a huge part of my like healing and unlearning, um, like reclaiming that word, because it's like all the other like euphemisms that like fluffy and curvy and blah, blah, blah. Like it just wasn't Oh my God. I, just I don't always, think I've ever heard fluffy. You don't want to ever hear fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of a Persian cat. Yeah. And that's not what I am. I'm a right. human being. You're a beautiful woman, not a Thank Persian you. cat. <laughs> so um, it, to me, it was just always like, it still felt like an avoidance of the thing that really was um, holding me back. And what was holding me back was working on the fact it's like, Hey, you're, this is what your body is. And we're just going to have to get comfortable with that. Or we're going to be miserable for the rest of our lives, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely. I see fat as a neutral word. And I think a really important, I, it makes me feel really good when, uh, people in my life are also working on like unpacking the stuff that they have around the word fat and like using it neutrally. Um, just because, uh, I don't know, it can just hold so much power when it's like, it's like Voldemort, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. It, it completely changed my idea of it because, you know, when I was younger, I, it was my worst fear to be called yes. fat. And, mm -hmm. and that was like the worst thing you could be called. Mm -hmm. And I never, ever wanted it. Um, but you know, I turned a corner in my adulthood and you know, I don't, I don't identify as fat. I'm a straight sized woman, but having had that experience, I wish that I could have taken back that word. I wish yeah. that I knew that you could do that. And I think yeah. that's why it's amazing that there are people on social media, on TV now, like there are people that younger people can look up to and be like, Oh, mm -hmm. wait a second. 
these words that are weaponized against me, they're actually just words the yeah. same way that, you know, calling somebody blonde or calling somebody right. thin or whatever right. it is, is a descriptor word. This is a descriptor word and it doesn't, I, I don't tie my value to it. It's yeah. really, it's such an empowering thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, it's like, if it is always, like you said, I, I felt the same way. It's like, oh, that's the worst thing I could be. It's the worst thing that someone could say to me. And even if you're not fat, if you have that idea about the word fat, you're always going to be doing whatever you can to distance yourself from that. And that takes a lot of energy, you know, Yeah, <laughs> like, it really does. So, uh, just getting friendly with even just the word, the word fat, I feel like can really, um, can be very liberating. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask your opinion about something because every, every show I talk about, you know, something different. And I thought for this show, I would talk a little bit about social media, which I talk about a lot. Cause I think it's so influential when it comes mm -hmm. to bodies and how we perceive ourselves. But I see a lot of back and forth on mm. social media about whether it is helpful to the body positive movement to show, you know, whether it be fitness influencers or just thin, thinner people. Um, you've definitely seen these like side by side, like before yeah. breakfast, <laughs> after breakfast, me mm -hmm. posing, me not <laughs> posing. And I honestly don't know what I think about it. I don't think too much about it, but just lately I've seen a lot of debate about yeah. whether that is helpful, helpful or whether that's actually a little toxic because, yeah. you know, somebody could be looking at the after picture or the unposed picture and, and think like, you're still smaller than me. Like what? Yeah. I'll still never be that. Yeah, totally. It is, uh, it's hard. And, um, it's hard because I know the people who are sharing that kind of content have their own um, complex journeys with their bodies. And so it's a challenging thing to talk about because whenever you bring it up, um, I think the people who create that kind of content who are thin generally, like it feels like something is being invalidated or taken away from them when they mm -hmm. say that. Um, I kind of have like a mentality, like, I don't know if you remember, there was like this, uh, crazy photo of like Kim Kardashian that like went super viral where she was like wearing a crazy corset and she just looked completely unreal. Do you no, know what I, I mean? don't, I don't remember. It was, it was bizarre. Anyways, a lot of people were talking so it about was, it. You mean it was clearly Photoshopped? I don't know actually if it was Photoshopped because Kim just, that's Kim, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, she has a Photoshopped body because right. had surgery. So yes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people in like the, I feel like body positive space, like we're wanting to talk about it. And in my mind, it's like it, the problem isn't that Kim Kardashian exists. The problem is that we think that's the only way to exist. And we are like, you know, majority of the time fed people like her and like our media consumption and anyone who strays or deviates from that is like just not doing shit right and, and even worse we're calling those people curvy yeah <laughs> like in the media we're calling them we're we're like celebrating ourselves giving us a big giving ourselves a big pat on the back for like including these crazy distorted women 
yeah. who don't really look like most people they're I mean no. they are I, are they curvy yes they are curvy in the yeah. technical sense right they're curvy <laughs> in a very mean? specific way still yeah yeah and so in relation to like the type of content that you're talking about it's like I don't the problem isn't that then people are a part of the body positive conversation or that they're even posting about loving their bodies or their journeys with their bodies. I think the problem is inevitably just based on um, people's like social capital and also just the way algorithm, algorithms work. The people who need body positivity the most are going to end up being pushed on the fringes. And unless those people who are in the center are always challenging that it it's just going to continue to happen and what upsets me about a lot of the people who share that type of content is i don't see them saying anything for people who are larger than them i don't see them challenging their audiences to embrace people who are larger than them and in fact a lot of times in those comments will be stuff like well you know like you can be whatever so long as you're healthy. And it's like, that's so problematic. It's so ableist. It's so, you know, is out of touch with the fact that, um, you know, like a, a disproportionate amount of people who are fat are also people of color or people in poverty. Yes, <laughs> so like, yes, absolutely. Is, and nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking no. about how people are at a disadvantage from the minute they're born in a, a yes. lot of cases. Yeah, and so the, the problem to me is like you could have that and you can do that and that's all fine and dandy if you're also like extending that to other people but if the buck stops at you and your stretch marks at a size four you got it wrong like you yeah. need to go back to the drawing board on that one that's uh, a really yeah. that is a really good point because you're right if i saw somebody who was in a small body who posted things like that but i knew that they had you know maybe they had an eating disorder or, you know, this is their way of sharing their experience, but they were also, you know, posting stories from women who were larger than them and, mm -hmm. and spreading truth about diet culture. And like, that was what they were really about. That's one thing. But if you're mm -hmm. like a personal trainer yeah. and you're showing your morning abs versus your evening bloat, like, no, I don't want to see that shit. Right. And then there are a couple other things on this. One, it can be incredibly tone deaf. Like there was, there's this one girl on TikTok and she's the cutest and God love her. And she's not, she's not definitely not fat. And she does a lot of like, you know, here's me and my little belly situation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a, there's this video of her just like belly out, eating pizza, dancing. And it's like supposed to be like, you know, hey, this should be okay. And I'm like this too. Everyone's like this, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But like, to me, it feels like you're like, what I felt in the moment when I saw that was like, it feels like you're rubbing my face in it. It feels like you're rubbing my face in the fact that I don't get to do that. Like, yeah. and that I would get like just the worst comments and the worst DMs if I even tried to do. It would just be like people that. saying you're promoting obesity and right. people love to say that. People love they, to say you're promoting obesity. <laughs> yeah. It literally means nothing. And yeah. like, I've never seen somebody drive by a thin person walking around on the streets of New York City with a hot dog and mm -hmm. shout like, that's not healthy. You no. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's so insane how people think they can just peg you 
Yeah. And tell I, you what to do just because you look a certain way. Tell you like yeah. what you should be doing. You're not an you're not a health expert. No. You no, didn't go I, to school for this, just like I didn't. Like right. shut the fuck up. mind your own business. This is New York City. I tweeted recently that it's like the way that people tell me that I'm like promoting obesity. Like you would think my body is just a billboard that says, like, try fatness today. It yeah. works. <laughs> It's so funny. So um, somebody, somebody should definitely make a sketch about that. Like <laughs> the PR agent of obesity. <laughs> They're having a great year. Yeah. The one, one other thing on that, like type of content is, um, there's actually, and I'm totally not going to remember the name, but there's like a psychological effect. God, I wish I remembered it, but essentially like when you see someone who's attractive and they're, they do something that is, um, uh, I don't like you have your belly rolls out or you walk into the office and you drop your papers everywhere. Like, it's like, oh my God, she's so relatable. She's so authentic. And you like that person more. Yes. And the inverse is true for someone who like, isn't conforming to what you think is attractive. They do those things and you like them less for it. So like, yeah, I know. Uh, Crazy. So when we think of that in the context of this type of content, it's like people who are thin and, um, you know, are able-bodied and white and beautiful have so much more to gain and benefit from this, you know, like they are, they just are going to be praised a lot more for something like this. And inversely, especially if we're not challenging um, you know, stigma around fatness, people who actually are trying to do some real work here are just going to be, yeah, get, get hate for it, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's very interesting that you brought up the algorithm. Cause I do think that's a really big part of this too. And that's not something that a lot of people understand when you put hashtag body positive on a post, it's going to be lumped in with a lot of people who are really serious about making change and mm -hmm. doing work towards fat acceptance. And you're essentially watering down that message by doing that. But I'm like you, I go back and forth with it because I'm like, but everybody should have the right to talk about their own body. And, but <sighs> I just think lumping it into the same movement is the wrong move. Like if you already live in a socially acceptable body, then you can mm -hmm. do that stuff for sure. But mm -hmm. don't claim to be a part of the movement that you were never a part of. Yeah, I think just also like getting real with yourself as to like, who is this for and what is it for? If you are like a, you know, person in a smaller body, you're not doing anything for anyone larger than you mm -hmm. when you're posting <laughs> that photo. Yeah. Especially if you're someone who is like, has a body type that is frequently... Um, like portrayed in like mainstream media, a body type that we already humanize, you know, it's like, you're not really changing anything for anyone else. And that's fine. It can just be for you, but like, let's not act like this is like, I don't know, like a changing the world moment. Like it, it's right. not that. And that's okay. You know, great sentiment. And you know, we got to wrap up, but you're such a delight. I could talk to you for another hour. <laughs> um, where can people find you and follow you? Um, I am Haitian Taylor everywhere. Um, yeah, on TikTok, on YouTube. I'm mostly on Instagram, also on Twitter. 
I was on a Teen Mom episode recently. You were. Yeah, it was so random. So there's that. Also, um, for the circle people uh the circle's coming out on april 14th the season two a new season wow a new season i'm not on it but like other people will be so if you liked what i did on reality tv maybe you want to watch it again <laughs> well i will be watching it and i i mean i already follow you sean is a great follow especially oh. you know when it comes to a lot of the topics that we discuss on this show so definitely give her a follow and thank you so much for having this conversation it was so nice to get to know you This was awesome. Thank you for having me. Oh, hey guys. I hope you liked that conversation with Sean Taylor. I had such a blast getting to know her. You should give her a follow if you were into the stuff that we were talking about. She is a great account to follow for all things body positivity and just, you know, a fun bitch in New York City living her fucking life. So I would definitely give her a follow. Also, while you're at it, follow me on Instagram. You can find me at Lubination, that's L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. And you can also follow the podcast at R-I-P Diets. I'm trying to grow the community on there so you can find a lot of fire content. And as always, if you would like me to answer your advice questions on the show, slide into my DMs or email me at ripdiets at gmail.com. And for even more RIP Diets bonus content, go to patreon.com slash RIP Diets and see what I have to offer. Spoiler alert, it's a lot of video content, which provides I like to think a close, intimate look at my life in recovery as a 30-year-old woman just trying to make it in this world. So I'll be back next week with a brand new edition of R.I.P. Diets. Peace out. (laughs) 